Church, how are you guys doing this morning? Okay, who stole you guys' cookies? Oh yeah, that's right, it was us. We're still in the 21 fast, so how are you guys doing this morning? That's awesome. My name is Donnie Angel, and I am the College Life Director here at Brentwood Church. I also get the opportunity to lead our prep teams. Um, I am honored to be able to lead these teams who are preparing our church. Um, The one team, the prep teams, they get here early and stay here late to turn this high school into a church. And the other team, our college life leaders, are spending every day throughout the week preparing our college students who are the future church. And they're going to end up all over the world. So I just want to pause here for a minute and say thank you to all the prep teams, all of my college life leaders. I love you guys and truly value your investment in our church. Uh, We are in week four of a series entitled Free and Fearless. Um, We have been talking about how to become free from strongholds and addictions and fearless in the face of opportunities and obstacles. But today, I think we need to answer a very important question. Where does a free and fearless life come from? In my study, I had to do the same thing. So uh, I did the thing that any good theologian would do. I asked Siri. Um... No, I didn't. Pastor John would fire me if that was my source of information. I did something way more spiritual than that. I I Googled it. Um, But we need to answer this question. Where does a free and fearless life come from? So if you guys will get out your Bibles and whatever platform you have, whether it's paperback, hardback, leatherback, or there's an apple on the back, and turn to Galatians chapter 1, we will get started. I love our college ministry. Um, if you get around me at all, you'll hear me talk about it quite a bit, but I believe it's so important to have this small group accountability led by qualified leaders. I mean, I believe that's important for the vitality, for the growth of any believer. I mean, I wish at that age I had a leader or, or someone who is investing in me the way these leaders invest in our college students. I mean, at 18, I wasn't the most well-directed individual. I mean, I had been a Christian the majority of my life. I was raised in the home of a pastor. I was in church anytime the doors were open. Uh, It was obvious to me what what right was, what wrong was. And even after after graduating high school, I set off for an ultra-conservative Christian college. I mean, it was the second most exciting college in the world. I'm just kidding. That's, I know that was a bad joke, and maybe I won't use that next, or next uh, service. But anyways, it, it, was just, it was a shock for me when I got there. I mean, I knew about the rules. I knew about the colored sidewalks, blue for boys, pink for girls. I, I knew about the dress code. I knew about the tie and jacket that I had to wear to dinner every night. And, and I, I, I knew that there was going to be chapel like seven times a day. But I was still just not sure about what was going on. And I got there, and just in a couple weeks, man, I was fed up with all of these rules. So I did the thing that any reasonable 18-year-old would do who didn't like rules. I joined the military. Um, If you are not aware, um, basic training at Fort Benning, Georgia, is not the place you go to elude rules, except that's where I ended up. And, And although I had been playing this religious game my entire life, I get to this point in my life and you think maybe the discipline and the training and and the rules 
might have, might have pushed me to become more faithful, faithful to my belief, but not me. See, for a, for a series or, or a season of my life, I essentially walked away. I put God and, and my relationship with him on pause. And that's a dangerous place to be. And unfortunately, that's a place where many of our young people end up. See, if, if we are focused on what's going to please us, it, it's easy to lose the most important things. I mean, because as a young adult and then a newly married husband and father, man, we would, we would play this game. We would still play this game. We would we'd take God off pause for a little bit. We'd get back in church for a couple weeks when it was convenient. But there was always a reason to be out. There was always a reason not to be there. There was always something that seemed more enticing to do. I mean, our, in our marriage at this point in time, we were not free or fearless. I mean, it seemed like we were just stuck in an unending debt. It seemed like we were, we were plagued by addictions and regret. Trust was just absent. And probably for a good reason. See, at that point in my life, I was still living in an addiction to lust and pornography. My, my only sense of stress relief was found in forms of substance abuse. But the thing is, is I got to the point, eventually, a long time down the road, where God called me to be free and fearless. And that's what I want to, that's what I want us to talk about today. Um, and, and you know what? Sometimes we get so caught up in what makes us happy that it leaves us ineffective as parents. I, I know it left me ineffective as a parent. It left me ineffective as a husband. Me and my wife, it left us ineffective as friends. Ultimately, it left us ineffective as followers of Jesus. And maybe you guys have been there before. Maybe you guys recognize some of these sin cycles that I just mentioned. Maybe you guys recognize this game that I played for so long in my life. But I think there's a better answer. I mean, maybe, maybe you go to church because you know tomorrow your great Aunt Mildred is going to call you. And ask you if you went to church today. And if you didn't go to church today, oh, you're going to hear it. You're going to hear all about her service. You're going to hear her preach the sermon she heard yesterday to you over the phone. She'll see, send you an emailed transcript uh, of the pastor's message and then a VHS copy so you and your family can sit around and watch it. But if you guys were honest, you, you, you probably realize that your, your motivation is it, it, simply just obligation. But I want to talk to the non-believers in the room for just a second. Man, I'm so glad you're here. I, I'm so excited. Maybe you don't have an Aunt Mildred that's going to call you tomorrow. And, and maybe you don't even think you, you need to hear any of this. But I believe if you'll hang in there with me for just another few minutes, you'll hear something so enticing, so transforming, that it might even seem too good to be true. But I believe today you'll wrestle with a truth that is so good. A truth that is so powerful that anyone in this room can accept it. 
And that truth will make a huge difference in your life. I mean, isn't it true? So many of us spend our lives wrapped up trying to appease the people in our lives that we forget the most important things. We spend our time trying to win the approval of men by the things that we're making and faking. But in the end, it's just a lie from the enemy. The more we try to win men's approval, the more fearful we become. I mean, we, we fear that we're not good enough, so we try to supplement our insecurities with the newest car or the latest phone or whatever that thing is that'll make you more popular in your, in your circles. Or, or we fear disapproval, so we live a fake life wrapped up in religion, but it returns us to bondage of another kind. Ultimately, it all comes down to this. We believe in Jesus, but we don't believe he's good enough. Does everybody feel that? It's tension. None of us want to believe that to be true. None of us want to believe that of ourselves. But you know, we're not the only people to wrestle with this tension. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul's writing to a group, of indir- a, a group of early Christians who are being driven down this road of being stuck in religion. Paul writes in verse 6, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. Now, we have to stop here for just a second. I I promise we won't be here long. But we got to know what this gospel is that Paul's talking about, right? It's the grace of Christ that he mentioned in verse 6. It's the life of Jesus, the fact that he came perfect and lived a perfect sinless life. The fact that he died on a cross specifically to pay the penalty for our sins. That after he died three days later, he rose again and he promised he's coming back for us. That's the good news that, that Paul's talking about. That's the gospel that Paul's talking about. But apparently, these early Christians were being tricked into believing something else. Paul goes on in verse 7. He says, evidently some people are trying to throw you into confusion And they're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I mean, at this time in history, there was a group of religious leaders who were trying to implement some of the old religious laws and and Jewish customs into this new covenant relationship with God. They were telling all the Jewish or or the the Gentile or non-Jewish men that they would have to be circumcised in order to be a part of the church. Now, as you can imagine... This caused a little bit of problem in the church. I mean, men, let's just be honest. It's hard enough just to get you guys here. But could you imagine at the end of the service, the production team lowers the lights and we let you guys know that the response tables are open and and you can come down and light a candle or you can come here and pray with somebody or leave a sin pinned to the cross. And if you want to join the church, we have nurses stationed at either response table they will take you to a room in the back a quick surgery and some painkillers and boom you're in i don't think the line at the response table would be very long today 
And it was the same way with these Christians in Galatia. They weren't fully committed because of this impure gospel. It's such a huge deal that only eight verses in, like Paul starts getting into it. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. I mean, we're only eight verses in and he's preach writing here. And he says it again in verse nine, as we have already said. So I now say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. He is intense here. But in the middle of this intense moment, Paul breaks character. And he asks us a question that each of us have to answer today. Verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? Because if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I mean, Paul gets down to the root of the issue. He asks us, are we simply in it for others? Are we simply, are we in this for God? See, we get caught up in the idea that we have to do something in order to earn God's approval. We get caught up in the idea that we have to do something to prove to others that we're following Jesus. But that's religion. See, religion comes from a desire to please people. But a relationship comes from a desire to please God. And we have to pursue God. At the end of the day, the issue remains the same. So whether you're trying to add old religious laws to appease old religious Jews, or you're trying to add old materialistic habits to appease old materialistic people. If we add anything to our relationship with Jesus, we are polluting the transformational truth of the gospel. And that's exactly what I had been doing for years. Selective obedience when it was beneficial. While we were uh, stationed in Italy, um, we went to a small church um, off post Um, Very traditional church. Um, At the time, my eight-year-old son, Dakota, was about three. Um, The pastor of that church had a son right around the same age. Um, But for whatever reason, Dakota was a very obedient child. I mean, if he started getting crazy, started running around the the church, man, I could snap my fingers and he would stop. That's stopped by now. He's eight and he's crazy. But at that point in time, that's all it took. Well, the pastor's son was not the same way. I mean, it would take an act of God to stop this kid from running around that small auditorium. I mean, one day one of the deacons struck him with leprosy. No, I'm just joking. That didn't happen. Um, But what did happen was I began to look down my nose at this guy because of the way his child acted. I mean, I I thought, hey, every every toddler should act the way my child does. Well, God heard my thoughts. Um... A few years later, he introduced us to Noah. Noah is my three-year-old son. Um, if you go back to Brentwood Kids right now, he is the one that is terrorizing everyone back there. Um, Noah is what we call a biter. The walking dead has nothing on this child. So if you've got a kid back in Tigers right now, he's probably biting your child. No, I'm just joking. I just lost every mom in here with a three-year-old. I shouldn't have said that. No, no, he is absolutely in recovery. We haven't had a, 
reported incident in over 30 days. Um, God, I really hope he's not biting anybody's child today. <laughs> I would feel so terrible. But anyways, I, behavior modification does not work on this kid. I, the more you try, the more he defies. But what I found that works with Noah is a legitimate conversation. See, if you're just trying to modify his behavior, you're not speaking to his heart. And his issue's not with his attitude. His issues, issue's not with his actions. His issue is with his heart. The Bible says that it's from the heart the mouth speaks. It's from the issues of the heart. So that's why, as a father, I have to lead and love my children like Christ loves the church. I have to lead and love my wife like Christ loves the church. I have to, to love and care for my friends and others like Christ loves the church. Because at the end of the day, if I begin to impose expectations on my wife or my kids or my friends that Jesus doesn't impose on me, I'm adding to the approval that only he provides. Matt Chandler, a well-known pastor, says it this way. God's not after your begrudging submission. He's after your joy. And it's all about the heart. Brentwood Church, it's not about what modifies your behavior. It's about what occupies your heart. And it has to be Jesus plus nothing. See, so, so whether I was monitoring my actions for one day in a week in an attempt to please my pastor, my peers, or my parents, or, or ex- imposing expectations on my wife and kids, then I was trying to please God and others by my own power and abilities. And instead of being free and fearless, I was broken and bound by the opinions of others. But sometimes we just need to be reminded of those important truths. Let me get everybody's attention for just a second. If you don't hear anything else I have to say today, I want you to get this. I want this to be the thing on your mind. So grab a pen, open notepad on your device, do whatever you have to, but write this down. A free and fearless life, it comes from Jesus plus nothing. Not your finances. Not your, not your faithfulness to church. Not even your fasting. It relies on Jesus. And those other things, they're great. And, and we need to do that. We need to be a part of that. They, they need to be routines in our lives. But it has to come from this idea that it's Jesus plus nothing. See, later on in the book, Paul writes this, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law or human ambition, then Christ died for nothing. A couple weeks ago, Pastor John spoke about toxic emotions, toxins, things that come into our lives to pollute, distort, or make something dangerous. So what I want to ask you guys today is, what is that toxic gospel that you're believing What is that polluted, distorted, dangerous belief 
That is removing your trust to be fully on Jesus. What lies from the enemy can you pinpoint as toxic gospels? What is the enemy saying to you when he says that, okay, your your salvation's good, but you need your satisfaction in this? I want to talk to a couple groups of people today. The first group, if you are honest, I mean deep down truthful. Maybe you believe that Jesus was good enough for your salvation, but not your satisfaction. And can I be honest? I mean, probably at the expense of my reputation, but most of you don't know me anyway, so. Um, I'm tempted to believe that lie all the time. And if I were even more honest, man, sometimes it gets me. But I have to remind myself, and so do you, that a free and fearless life It comes from Jesus plus nothing. At the end of the service, our response tables are going to be open and we do not have any nurses that work here. But I would love to invite you to come down. Write down that sin cycle. Write write down that addiction. Leave it at the cross because you know what? Jesus already paid for it. It's already been taken care of. You don't have to believe that toxic gospel anymore. Or maybe you've spent your whole life just trying to prove to God that you're good enough. Maybe you'd say that, yes, my salvation is by faith, but my acceptance, it comes by my own works. But today could be the day that you can remember that it has to be Jesus plus nothing. I mean, for years, many of us exhaust ourselves practicing this religion, saying the same prayers over and over and over again, expecting that Jesus will hear it finally, or or waiting on some supernatural experience to just come flow over us to prove that, that Jesus actually heard our prayer. But the thing is, is you're still just resting in that religion. And God's called you to so much more. So, something so much better. At the end of Paul's letter, he begins to explain that that people who were promoting circumcision or this physical act, the reason they were doing it was they were afraid to say that it was Jesus plus nothing, Right? They were were afraid to say that salvation alone comes through Christ's work. You you have to do this plus this plus this plus Jesus, and maybe that'll get you there. And a lot of people get stuck their whole lives believing that. But, But this is what Paul writes in Galatians 6 verse 14. He says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now that's boldness. Like that's a confidence. And that could be you. At the end of the service, there's going to be a time where you can come down here to the front. There's chairs available here. 
um, there's plenty of space and there's a house full of people who would love to pray with you and remind you that a free and fearless life comes from Jesus plus nothing. Because that's what we've been called to do. I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come out. Um, Maybe you're here today and you've known the freedom that comes from a healthy, growing relationship with Jesus. But you too still need to be reminded that a free and fearless life, I think you guys get the point from now, that Jesus, it comes from Jesus plus nothing. I'm going to tell you one of the most impactful ways to experience that truth on a daily basis is being a part of um, community centered on Jesus. I'm so glad that God didn't leave me where I was playing that game. Instead, my last tour to Afghanistan, God placed me in the middle of nowhere. He He surrounded me with men who were not pursuing toxic gospels. No, they were pursuing Jesus. Man, those guys got around to me and, and reminded me of the truth of who I was in Christ. They reminded me uh, of what Christ had called me to be. They reminded me of the freedom that comes from following Jesus fully, holding nothing back. And during that time, man, I vowed to follow Jesus anywhere he would take me. And let me tell you, it's been one wild ride for me and my family but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And there's nothing sweeter than a life that's surrounded with people who are going to remind you of the freedom that you have in Christ. There's nothing sweeter than it is to be able to allow your story to remind others that Jesus is more than enough and he always has been and he always will be. And many of your stories just say that over and over and over again. Put it to use in a community. Let me persuade you just by saying it this way. Just do it. Hopefully God doesn't have to put you in a combat outpost in the middle of Afghanistan to get your attention. But you can see how stubborn I am, right? But group link, it's one week from tomorrow night. You can go online right now and register to be in a group. You can experience the joy that comes when a, when a, when a fellowship of friends comes around and remind you of a gospel-centered life. You can experience the joy of reminding others through your story how Jesus has been more than enough. But church, could you imagine what our lives would look like if we would embrace the freedom that comes when we understand what Jesus has done for us? Because when we recognize those, those toxic gospels or those lies that the enemy throws our way, we have God's word to remind us of the truth of who he is and what he expects for us. Because the enemy is going to come and he's going to tell you that you're never going to be good enough. But you can remember this, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might be made the righteousness of God. You'll be told you're worthless, but you can remember that you are God's workmanship. 
You are God's handiwork. You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. But then you'll be tempted to believe that you have to do it all on your own. And you'll remember, no, it is for by grace that I've been saved. Through faith. It's not for myself. It's the free gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. Brentwood Church, man, a free and fearless life, it comes from Jesus plus nothing. Can I ask you guys to, to stand with me for a second? We're almost done, but before we're done tonight, I, I want to speak to one more group of people. I mean, you're here, and you would say that I've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I, I can't pinpoint a time where, where Christ has called me and I responded to that and, and I decided to make him the Lord of my life. I decided to, to give up myself in order to follow him. But I'm about to ask you guys to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to do something that's crazy, that may just seem way out of your comfort zone. But I promise you this it'll be one of the best decisions that you've ever made. I promise you this, that it will be a time where you can remember that today is the day where I began to be free and fearless because of what Jesus has done for me. I can, I can accept that free gift that, that's there because of Jesus' death, because the fact that he rose again. I can accept that fact because I know that one day he's coming back for me. I'm telling you, in just a second, Charles is going to begin to sing. And as soon as you hear those words come from his mouth, I'm going to ask you to, to just go ahead and step out of your row and, and go straight to the back. We have a team full of volunteers at the info table who would love to show you how to take your first and most important step with Jesus. Now, I know this may seem crazy. I know this may seem bold, but Jesus is calling you to move because today is the day that you get to walk in freedom. Today is the day that you get to walk in truth. Today is the day that Jesus is calling you to come. Now go.
I believe in Christ's Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. somebody still sitting in their seat and you know this is the time that you need to move. You know this is the time that it's time for you to respond to this truth that you've heard. And the band's going to play another song and I I just want to challenge you, man. Take that step. Maybe you don't want to travel all the way back to the info table. I'll be up here front here. Go back to that desk with the soundboard and all the electronics. Don't touch any of that. But, but grab one of those people and they'd love to share with you this, this important step. So as the band continues to play and plays this next song, man, just respond. <laughs> 